Good evening, everyone. Today, I'm going to be talking about Abrahamic, Abrahamic, Abrahamic covenant. Sorry for the tongue twister. Abraham made a covenant with God when he received the gospel. When there was ordained a high priest, and when he entered to the, into celestial marriage, in the covenant, God promised great blessings to Abraham and his family. These blessings were to extend to all Abraham's seed, are called the Abrahamic covenant. Among the the promise made to Abraham, we followed his his posterity would be not. Nominal nominees. In Genesis chapter seventeen, verse five and six, it says, Never shall the name any more be called Abraham, but their name shall be be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceedingly faithful, and and I will make nations for of thee, and kings shall come unto out of thee. And then a- Abraham. Chapter 2, verse 9, it says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will, I will bless thee above measure, and make the name great among all nations, and thou shalt be a blessing unto thy seed after the, thee, and that in thy hand they shall bear the, this t- ministry and priesthood unto all nations. And then Abraham chapter 3 verse 14 it says. And it was in the night time when the Lord spoke these words unto me. I will multiply thee and thy seed after thee like unto thee these. And if thou can't, can't count the numbers of the seed. So shall be the numbers of this thy seed. His seed, uh, the descendant, would receive the gospel and bear the, the priesthood. Abraham chapter 2 verse 9 it says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee above measure, and make the name great among all nations, and thou shalt be a blessing unto thy seeds. After thee, that in thy hand they shall bear their ministry and priesthood unto all nations. Through the ministry of the seed, all f- the families of the earth would be blessed, even the blessing of the gospel, which are the blessing of salvation, even of life eternal. In Abraham chapter 2 verse 11 it says, And I and will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee that is in the thy priesthood. And thy seed, that is thy priesthood. For I give unto thee a promise, that the, this right shall contend in thee, in thy seed after thee, that is to say the 
little seed, O the seed of the body, shall all the families of the earth be blessed, even with the blessing of the gospel, which all the blessing of salvation, even life eternal. A person who can receive all blessings of the Abrahamic covenant, even he or she is not literal decision of Abraham, but obeyed the law and ordinance of the gospel. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 26 it says, For, for ye are the children of God by faith in Christ. For many of you have been baptized into the Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male or female, for ye are all one in Christ. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and his according to the promise. That's Abraham chapter 3, verse 26 through 29. And then Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 through 7, it says, Now I say that the hair, as long as he is a child, different, nothing from a servant through his be Lord of all, but is under terrors and governance until the time appeared of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the element of the world. But when the fullness of the time we was come, God sent forth his Son, made of woman and made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of Son. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but son, and in the son, then, then a hear of God through Christ. And then Abraham chapter 2 verse 9, chapter 2 verse 9. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee above measure, and make the name great among all nations, and thou shalt be a blessing unto thy seed after thee, that in thy hand they shall be bear the ministry and priesthood unto all nations. And then Abraham chapter 3 verse 14 it says, And it was in the night time when the Lord spoke these words, Unto me, I will multiply thee and thy seed after thee, like unto thee. And if thou continue the number of seeds, to shall be the number of thy seeds. His seeds are the descendants who received the gospel and by the priesthood. In Abraham chapter 2, verse 9, it says, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee above measure, and make thee name great among all nations. And thou shalt be a blessing unto the seed thy 
be a blessing unto thy seed, and unto thence thee, that that in their hands they shall bear their ministering and priesthood unto all nations. And then Abraham chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Through the ministry of the his seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed, even with the blessings of the gospel, which are the blessings of the self, salvation of e, earth of life eternal. And we will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, in thee, and that is in my thy priesthood, in thy seed, and that thy priesthood, for I give unto thee a promise, that this is right shall continue in thee, and in thy seed after thee, that is to say, the little seed, O the seed of the body, shall all the families of the earth be blessed, even with the blessing of the gospel, which all the blessing of salvation, even the life eternal. A person can receive all the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant, even he or she is not little distance of Abraham, but obey the law ordinance of the gospel. If you want to read Genesis chapter 3, verse 26 through 29, and then Galatians 4, 1 through 7, and then, and then I'm going to read Dr. Covenants 84, verse 33 and 40, it says, For who is faithful unto the obeying these two priesthood of which I have spoken, and the manifesting their calling are suffered by the Spirit unto the renewing of their bodies. They become the sons of Moses and of Aaron and the seed of Abraham and the church and the kingdom and the elect of God. And also they who receive the priesthood receive me, saith the Lord. For he that receives my salvation receives me. And and he that receives me receives my father. And he that receives my father receives my father's kingdom. Therefore he that all that therefore all that my father hath shall be given unto unto him. And his according to the earth and the covenant which belongs to the priesthood. And therefore, all those who receive the priesthood receive the oath and covenant of my father, which he can continue break, neither can it be moved. A person can receive. Oh. I don't know if I read this. Sorry if I did. A person can, can receive all the blessings of Abraham's covenant. Even he or she is not literally descendant of Abraham, but obeying the law and ordinance of the gospel. If you guys want to read Genesis chapter 7, 1 through 8, and then Dr. Covenants 132, verse 28 and 31, and then Abraham 22, verse 8 through 11. The Gathering of the Scattering Israel by President Wilson and Nelson. This is Genesis 2006.
Sorry for the there's no noise. My beloved brothers and sisters, thank you for your faith, your devotion, and your love. We share an enormous responsibility to be who the Lord wants us to be and to do what he wants us to do. We are part of a great movement, the gathering of scattered Israel. I speak of this doctrine today because of its unique importance in God's eternal plan. Anciently, the Lord blessed Father Abraham with a promise to make his posterity a chosen people. References to this covenant occur throughout the scriptures. Included were promises that the Son of God would come through Abraham's lineage, that certain lands would be inherited, that nations and kindreds of the earth would be blessed through his seed, and more. While some aspects of that covenant have already been fulfilled, the Book of Mormon teaches that this Abrahamic covenant will be fulfilled only in these latter days. It also emphasizes that we are among the covenant people of the Lord. Ours is the privilege to participate personally in the fulfillment of these promises. What an exciting time to live. As descendants of Abraham, the tribes of ancient Israel had access to priesthood authority and blessings of the gospel, but eventually the people rebelled. They killed the prophets and were punished by the Lord. Ten tribes were carried captive into Assyria. From there, they became lost to the records of mankind. Obviously, the ten tribes are not lost to the Lord. Two remaining tribes continued a short time and then, because of their rebellion, were taken captive into Babylon. When they returned, they were favored of the Lord, but again, they honored him not. They rejected and vilified him. A loving but grieving father vowed, I will scatter you among the heathen. And that he did into all nations. God's promise for the gathering of scattered Israel was equally emphatic. Isaiah, for example, foresaw that in the latter days, the Lord would send swift messengers to these people who were so scattered and peeled. This promise of the gathering, woven all through the fabric of the scriptures, will be fulfilled just as surely as were the prophecies of the scattering of Israel. Prior to his crucifixion, the Lord Jesus Christ had established his church. It included apostles, prophets, seventies, teachers, and so forth. And the master sent his disciples into the world to preach his gospel. After a time, the church as established by the Lord fell into spiritual decay. His teachings were altered. His ordinances were changed. 
The great apostasy came as had been foretold by Paul, who knew that the Lord would not come again except there come a falling away first. This great apostasy followed the pattern that had ended each previous dispensation. The very first was in the time of Adam. Then came dispensations of Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and others. Each prophet had a divine commission to teach of the divinity and the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. In each age, these teachings were meant to help the people, but their disobedience resulted in apostasy. Thus, all previous dispensations were limited in time and location. They were limited in time because each ended in apostasy. They were limited in location to a relatively small segment of planet Earth. Thus, a complete restoration was required. God the Father and Jesus Christ called upon the prophet Joseph Smith to be the prophet of this dispensation. All divine powers of previous dispensations were to be restored through him. This dispensation of the fullness of times would not be limited in time or in location. It would not end in apostasy and it would fill the world. As prophesied by Peter and Paul, all things were to be restored in this dispensation. Therefore, there must come, as part of that restoration, the long-awaited gathering of scattered Israel. It is a necessary prelude to the second coming of the Lord. This doctrine of the gathering is one of the important teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Lord has declared, I give unto you a sign that I shall gather in from their long dispersion my people, O house of Israel, and shall establish again among them my Zion. The coming forth of the Book of Mormon is a sign to the entire world that the Lord has commenced to gather Israel and fulfill covenants he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We not only teach this doctrine, but we participate in it. We do so as we help to gather the elect of the Lord on both sides of the veil. The Book of Mormon is central to this work. It declares the doctrine of the gathering. It causes people to learn about Jesus Christ, to believe his gospel, and to join his church. In fact, if there were no Book of Mormon, the promised gathering of Israel would not occur. To us, the honored name of Abraham is important. It is mentioned in more verses of scripture, the restoration, than in all verses of the Bible. Abraham is linked to all members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
The Lord reaffirmed the Abrahamic covenant in our day through the prophet Joseph Smith in the temple. We receive our ultimate blessings as the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This dispensation of the fullness of times was foreseen by God as the time to gather both in heaven and on earth. Peter knew that after a period of apostasy, a restoration would come. He, who had been with the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration, declared, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. In modern times, the apostles Peter, James, and John were sent by the Lord with keys of his kingdom and a dispensation of the gospel for the last times and for the fullness of times in which he would gather together in one all things both which are in heaven and which are on earth. In the year 1830, the prophet Joseph Smith learned of a heavenly messenger named Elias who possessed keys to bring to pass the restoration of all things. Six years later, the Kirtland Temple was dedicated. After the Lord accepted that holy house, heavenly messengers came with priesthood keys. Moses appeared and committed the keys of the gathering of Israel from the four parts of the earth and the leading of the ten tribes from the land of the north. After this, Elias appeared and committed the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham, saying that in us and our seed, all generations after us should be blessed. Then Elijah the prophet came and proclaimed, Behold, the time is fully come, which was spoken of by the mouth of Malachi, testifying that he, Elijah, should be sent before the great and dreadful day of the Lord come to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, lest the whole earth be smitten with a curse. These events occurred on April 3rd, 1836, and thus fulfilled Malachi's prophecy. Sacred keys of this dispensation were restored. Mercifully, the invitation to come unto Christ can also be extended to those who died without a knowledge of the gospel. Part of their preparation requires earthly efforts of others. We gather pedigree charts, create family group sheets, and do temple work vicariously to gather individuals unto the Lord and into their families. Here on earth, missionary work is crucial to the gathering of Israel. The gospel was to be taken first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Consequently, servants of the Lord have gone forth proclaiming the restoration. 
In many nations, our missionaries have searched for those of scattered Israel. They have hunted for them out of the holes of the rocks, and they have fished for them as in ancient days. The choice to come unto Christ is not a matter of physical location. It is a matter of individual commitment. People can be brought to the knowledge of the Lord without leaving their homelands. True, in the early days of the church, conversion often meant emigration as well. But now, the gathering takes place in each nation. The Lord has decreed the establishment of Zion in each realm where he has given his saints their birth and nationality. Scripture foretells that the people shall be gathered home to the lands of their inheritance and shall be established in all their lands of promise. Every nation is the gathering place for its own people. The place of gathering for Brazilian saints is in Brazil. The place of gathering for Nigerian saints is in Nigeria. The place of gathering for Korean saints is in Korea, and so forth. Zion is the pure in heart. Zion is wherever righteous saints are. Publications, communications, and congregations are now such that nearly all members have access to the doctrines, keys, and ordinances, and blessings of the gospel, regardless of their location. Spiritual security will always depend upon how one lives, not where one lives. Saints in every land have equal claim upon the blessings of the Lord. This work of Almighty God is true. He lives. Jesus is the Christ. This is his church, restored to accomplish its divine destiny, including the promised gathering of Israel. President Gordon B. Hinckley is God's prophet today. I so testify. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I'm going to do one more video and then that was in October 2006 Junior Conference. We need to have the Abraham Covenant. Because if we didn't have it, there won't be no missionaries. I've served my mission for two years. It was the best two years I've ever had in my life. Teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The true meaning of Jesus Christ. The true meaning of gospel. The true meaning of love. The true meaning 
of the temple. Abraham and covenant, covenant had to happen. It talks in the scriptures that it had to happen because we would be blessed. We had to stay in our own countries. But President Nelson is saying, if you're in Brazil, stay in Brazil. You want it there to preach the gospel there. We need to reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to love everyone. We need to protect people from danger of being bring down of the gospel. At all costs, we need to do that. Because when we don't do that, we won't be able to do anything. Hope I have time. This is called The Covenant by President Wilson Nelson again. This is 2011. One week after a recent assignment to create the first stake in Moscow, Russia, I attended a district conference in St. Petersburg. While speaking about my gratitude for early missionaries and local leaders who brought strength to the church in Russia, I mentioned the name of Vyacheslav Yefimov. He was the first Russian convert to become a mission president. He and his wife did wonderfully well in that assignment. Not long after they had completed their mission, and much to our sorrow, President Yefimov suddenly passed away. He was only 52 years of age. While speaking of this pioneering couple, I felt impressed to ask the congregation if Sister Yefimov might be present. Far in the rear of the room, a woman stood. I invited her to come to the microphone. Yes, it was Sister Galina Yefimov. She spoke with conviction and bore a powerful testimony of the Lord, of his gospel, and of his restored church. She and her husband had been sealed in the holy temple. She said, they were united forever. They were still missionary companions. She on this side of the veil and he on the other side. With tears of joy, she thanked God for sacred temple covenants. I wept too, with full realization that the everlasting unity exemplified by this faithful couple was the righteous result of making, keeping, and honoring sacred covenants. One of the most important concepts of revealed religion is that of a sacred covenant. In legal language, a covenant generally denotes an agreement between two or more parties. But in a religious context, a covenant is much more significant. It is a sacred promise with God. He fixes the terms. Each person may choose to accept those terms. 
If one accepts the terms of the covenant and obeys God's law, he or she receives the blessings associated with the covenant. We know that when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. Through the ages, God has made covenants with his children. His covenants occur throughout the entire plan of salvation and are therefore part of the fullness of his gospel. For example, God promised to send a savior for his children asking in turn for their obedience to his law. In the Bible, we read of men and women in the old world who were identified as children of the covenant. What covenant? The covenant which God made with their fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. In the Book of Mormon, we read of people in the New World who are also identified as children of the covenant. The resurrected Lord so informed them, Behold, ye are the children of the prophets, and ye are of the house of Israel, and ye are of the covenant which the Father made with your fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. The Savior explained the importance of their identity as children of the covenant. He said, The Father, having raised me up unto you first, sent me to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities, and this because ye are the children of the covenant. The covenant God made with Abraham and later reaffirmed with Isaac and Jacob is of transcendent significance. It contains several promises, including Jesus the Christ would be born through Abraham's lineage. Abraham's posterity would be numerous, entitled to an eternal increase and also entitled to bear the priesthood. Abraham would become a father of many nations. Certain lands would be inherited by his posterity. All nations of the earth would be blessed by his seed. And that covenant would be everlasting even through a thousand generations. Some of these promises have been fulfilled Others are still pending. I quote from an early Book of Mormon prophecy. Our father Lehi hath not spoken of our seed alone, but also of all the house of Israel, pointing to the covenant which should be fulfilled in the latter days. Which covenant the Lord made to our father Abraham? Isn't that amazing? Some 600 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, prophets knew that the Abrahamic covenant would be finally fulfilled only in the latter days. 
To facilitate that promise, the Lord appeared in these latter days to renew that Abrahamic covenant. To the prophet Joseph Smith, the master declared, Abraham received promises concerning his seed and of the fruit of his loins, from whose loins ye are, my servant Joseph. This promise is yours also because ye are of Abraham. With this renewal, we have received, as did they of old, the holy priesthood and the everlasting gospel. We have the right to receive the fullness of the gospel, enjoy the blessings of the priesthood, and qualify for God's greatest blessing, that of eternal life. Some of us are the literal seed of Abraham. Others are gathered into his family by adoption. The Lord makes no distinction. Together, we receive these promised blessings if we seek the Lord and obey his commandments. But if we don't, we lose the blessings of the covenant. To assist us, his church provides patriarchal blessings to give each recipient a vision for his or her future, as well as a connection with the past even a declaration of lineage back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Brethren of the covenant have the right to qualify for the oath and covenant of the priesthood. If you are faithful unto the obtaining these two priesthoods and the magnifying of your calling, you are sanctified by the Spirit unto the renewing of your bodies. That is not all. Men who worthily receive the priesthood receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who receive the Lord receive God the Father. And those who receive the Father receive all that he has. Incredible blessings flow from this oath and covenant to worthy men, women, and children in all the world. Ours is the responsibility to help fulfill the Abrahamic covenant. Ours is the seed foreordained and prepared to bless all people of the world. That is why priesthood duty includes missionary work. After some 4,000 years of anticipation and preparation, this is the appointed day when the gospel is to, to be taken to the kindreds of the earth. This is the time of the promised gathering of Israel. And we get to participate. Isn't that exciting? The Lord is counting on us and our sons. And he's profoundly grateful for our daughters who worthily serve as missionaries in this great time of the gathering of Israel. The Book of Mormon is a tangible sign that the Lord has commenced to gather his children of covenant Israel. This book, written for our day, states as one of its purposes that, quote, ye may know that the covenant which the Father hath made with the children of Israel is already beginning to be fulfilled. For behold, the Lord will remember his covenant which he has made unto his people of the house of Israel. Close quote. 
Indeed, the Lord has not forgotten. He has blessed us and others throughout the world with the Book of Mormon. One of its purposes is for the convincing of the Jew and Gentile that Jesus is the Christ. It helps us to make covenants with God. It invites us to remember him and to know his beloved son. It is another testament of Jesus Christ. Children of the covenant have the right to receive his doctrine and to know the plan of salvation. They claim it by making covenants of sacred significance. Brigham Young said, all Latter-day Saints enter the new and everlasting covenant when they enter this church. They enter the new and everlasting covenant to sustain the kingdom of God. They keep the covenant by obedience to his commandments. At baptism, we covenant to serve the Lord and keep his commandments. When we partake of the sacrament, we renew that covenant and declare our willingness to take upon ourselves the name of Jesus Christ. Thereby, we are adopted as his sons and daughters and are known as brothers and sisters. He is the father of our new life. Ultimately, in the holy temple, we may become joint heirs to the blessings of an eternal family, as once promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their posterity. Thus, celestial marriage is the covenant of exaltation. When we realize that we are children of the covenant, we know who we are and what God expects of us. His law is written in our hearts. He is our God, and we are his people. Committed children of the covenant remain steadfast, even in the midst of adversity. When that doctrine is deeply implanted in our hearts, even the sting of death is soothed, and our spiritual stamina is strengthened. The greatest compliment that can be earned here in this life is to be known as a covenant keeper. The rewards for a covenant keeper will be realized both here and hereafter. Scripture declares that you should consider on the blessed and happy state of those that keep the commandments of God. For behold, they are blessed in all things, and if they hold out faithful to the end, they are received into heaven and dwell with God in a state of never-ending happiness. God lives. Jesus is the Christ. His church has been restored to bless all people. President Thomas S. Monson is his prophet today. And we, as faithful children of the covenant, will be blessed now and forever. I so testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, what President Nelson said, please, if you everybody, please serve a mission. It will bless you. It's one of the covenants as Mel's serve a mission. It will help you through your life. It's helped me throughout my life. When I said my mission, it came back. It helped me tremendously. It helped me be a better, harder worker. 
Um, it helps you throughout your life. When we covenant to the Heavenly Father, we promise to keep it. Covenant is basically if you sign a contract and saying that I will pay my mortgage on a house. A covenant is just like you promised the Lord that you would do it at all time and cost. You would do it for love and purity. I promise you that when you when you serve your mission and keep the Abraham covenant, you will be blessed through your life. I promise that. If you do that, Heavenly Father will bring so much blessing. He's brought so much blessing to me and my family. Hope you have a good evening. Talk to you later. Love you. Bye-bye.